0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: The Edits series by Koren Publishers is comprised of the concise guides to the full gamut of Jewish thought, from the Torah to modern halakha, or Jewish law, and mashavah, Jewish philosophy. The late Rabbi Adin Evan Israel Steinsaltz was one of the leading thinkers of the modern age and the most prolific author of Jewish thought and commentary since the Middle Ages. Tune in as we speak with Rabbi. Evan Israel's son, Rabbi Meni Evan Israel, about his father's life and work and about the concise guides. Rabbi Meni is the executive director of the Steinsaltz Center. You're listening to New Books in Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network, and I'm Michael Morales, your host. Rabbi Meni, welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies. Thank you. So tell us about your father, Rabbi Adin Evan Israel Steinsaltz. Tell us something about his life and work as a rabbi and, and a father.
0: Sure. Um, so my father was born in Israel 1937, he was not in Israel yet, he was still in the English Mandate. I uh, grew up in a house that was very unique, he grew up in a very extremely secular environment. He, in all accounts, was uh, a brilliant student, I I will say even a genius. As my grandfather used to say, a brain like that arrived once every 200 years, why me? Um he definitely was a, a, something of a unique, unique person. Um, you start finding guy at a very young age. Again, we don't know if it's 11 or 13 or 15. He never talked about it. So it's all we gather through the years. He, um, he, he finally made the decision and became religious, uh, and actively religious. Again, brilliant mind. I mean, the, the man used to, uh, concentrate for hours on end, hours on end on, on particular, Spiritual or intellectual concept that it, it, it's tremendous. I mean, he, he, he wrote to my mother that she should not be afraid if she see him standing in a point for five six hours at a time contemplating idea. Now I never saw him. I, I never saw five six hours. I saw him many times doing things you know for a long you know concentrating a very long period of time. It was very impressive. In um, his early 20s, he became the youngest uh, principal in Israel. Um, And immediately after that, he he decided, I think, after a couple of years that teaching was not really his direct repertoire dealing with a classroom setting. He he taught many, many, many hours of uh, informal education, something informal, but not as a principal, so to speak. Um, And he he started working on his monumental translation of the the Talmud, the Aramaic Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, to Hebrew. And the idea was always very simple. The idea was that the Talmud is a very, it's a large, massive work. It's one of the largest uh, archives, historical archives, historical books that we have in existence today. I mean, if we know that the ancient uh, mystical library of Alexandria was burned and the great library of Athens was burned, the library of the Jews, the library of the Jewish people, which was encompassed in that Talmud, survived mainly because everybody learned it. Talking about a, a work of uh, almost 5,500 pages long and and complex, not even easy, that um, one have to to really contemplate what it means, dividing a variety of topics from legends to law to commandments to any topic in life you have. I mean. Some stuff dealing with morality, some dealing with sexuality, dealing with intellect, some learning, charity, time, you name it. The problem is that the book, being written about 1,500 years ago, is written in archaic Aramaic, which we can find a similar concept in the book of Daniel in the Bible, and some references the book of Ezra, but not more than that. This is a full language, full conversation. And um, clearly, the, the, the need was to translate it to, to the people. So he specifically used modern Hebrew to translate it. So that was his main main work. Um, in between, he created all kinds of schools. He was the first, later, about in the 80s, he was the first official institution in Russia, recognized by the Russian government as the first religious institution um, that was really recognized by the state of, of the, you know, the former Soviet Union as the first really revival of the Jewish people. There were underground organizations all the time, all the seventy years of the Russian Russian government, but definitely, 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 he was the first one. Russia, of course, developed in the Jewish community there is tremendous. He um, so that was his main work. Took forty five years to accomplish actually last we finished it officially the translation of the Hebrew edition was 2010, and then I uh, arrived to his office as his executive director, and I told him. So um, I'm going to retire now. Sit on the chair and uh, smoke your you know long pipe. Can imagine the big you know and the rocking chair and the porch you smoking. I said, right, sure. So he said, come bring me to bring me some uh, some you know some some uh, project, and we will consider them together. So I said, you know, out of my mind, we have a commentary on the Mishnah, which is earlier than Talmud, a commentary on the Bible. We can do the Talmud in English and we can do also commentary on the Maimonides Book of Law. And I thought, you know, normal people, like right? you had a life project like the Talmud, you take one project and that become your secondary legend or secondary life achievement. So he said, okay, we'll do them all. Uh, he started with a commentary on the Bible that Eventually, was translated, of course, to English too. But it was um, was done every day. It used to be one hour, teaching one or two chapters of Bible. The beginning was also English and Hebrew, but then only in Hebrew. And he went for the entire Bible in less than three years. And from there, we we took team and we edited it and we created the Steinfeld Bible, available in your local Amazon store. <laughs> um, Later on, he him and his team of students accomplished a commentary on Maimonides' Book of Law. It's a 14-volume work. His last and final major project was his commentary on the Mishnah, which is written around 2nd century in Hebrew, and translated again, commentating in Hebrew. Um, he won a tremendous amount of prizes, including the last recognition he got was actually from the U.S. Congress. US Congress, uh, upon accepting his books or receiving his books in the Library of Congress, had a proclamation in, in, uh, in the Library of Congress and in the Congress about his work, which was a tremendous thing, a tremendous literary value to the entire world. So that's him in a nutshell. Um, as a son, you know, of course, it was a challenge. It's normal. I mean, uh, there's nothing to do. Famous fathers. As I like to say, my psychologist already bought a third house in Monaco. Instead, says dedicated by many. It's fine. You know, it's part of the part of the challenge.
1: I read somewhere that your father was compared to Rashi, called the Rashi of our generation. That is a huge compliment.
0: Yeah. Look, and in a lot of ways, it's true. I mean, the, the basic concept of Rashi um, was to bring the text was complex. Then this is almost a thousand years ago. To the masses, or the masses who can read, we know that the, the Jewish community, even in Europe, retained the ability of reading, um, most likely more than any other, more than any other uh, uh, nation, so to speak. So, yeah, so definitely, definitely, um, did this. And again, he wrote not just on the biblical, typical uh, what we call the Jewish canon, which consists of really four books. Small book, the Bible, the Mishnah, the Talmud and the Law. He also wrote a vast commun a vast commentary on a mystical book called The Tanya, which is the the foremost book of the Lubavitch Hasidim, you know, the guys of the menorah you see everywhere in the United States. That was the big you know, he wrote a major co- a major commentary on that too, which uh, another volume of that particular translation and commentary on the Tanya is being produced as we speak. Be published in the United States in the next few months. So yeah, he definitely. I think there's a merit to it. There's a merit to that statement.
1: And it's not just his ability to write a lot, but his gift of being able to reduce the wisdom of ages and to present it in a way that common people can understand.
0: Right. And I I remember asking him when when um when I start work for him. Actually, he came to me and asked me to work for him, which I was very happy because. Uh, you know, I, I was not it was not something I was thinking about personally, but he asked me to come and work for him. And I, you know, I come back to Israel. I was in the states. So I was in the University of Maryland. I was in other places. And um, I arrived back to Israel, and, and I try to figure out what what is the big deal. You know, I have to work with the organization. Yes, it's my father, but you know, I have to work with the organization to find the right wording, how to define what we call the elevator speech, right? How you define what we do. So basically, he told me that there. are Three principles. Two of them are are synonymous, just two sides of the same coin, and the third is a bit unique. So the first thing is that our our position is that let my people know. And by people, he meant everybody that he can reach and teach. There are his people, and they have to know. Faith is, is a tremendous thing, but knowledge is bigger. Knowledge is better. Because once I know something, once I understand something, my faith in it or my, my devotion to it or my commitment to it become exponentially larger and bigger. And, and, I, I, and I relate to people better because I understand. I, I can talk about it from different perspectives. So that's the positive. The negative is that I you said, I really hope that none of my family will be uh, ignoramus. I don't want I don't mind to become heretics. But ignoramus is unacceptable. You have to know. So that's basically the same coin, just two sides of it. And then I asked him, okay, that's very nice. So what is the big deal about your commentary? What, what is the, what is, what, is, what it is? What, what is the importance of it? And he said, you didn't understand it. the importance of it is what I did and the way you described it. We take, we take let's take the Bible because it's easier thing to, to uh, convey. I took the Bible that has thousands of commentators, even if when you read, even if you read the Bible in the King James version, the translator, based on all the translators, choose certain word that they use to describe a certain, certain paragraph or even a certain word, and you have to, ins- to bring them all together. He said my goal is to take all those thorough commentators. The man also had uh, very close to photographic memory, so it was easier for him. And to bring a one-liner, a one-line that basically compiled and compelled all of those people to work together. So he can bring a commentary that in verse number two, three, four, and 7 will be Rashi, and 6, 8, and 14 will be Ibn Ezra, and then it'll be a modern commentator, and he will use modern understanding of what certain things are. So that was the unique thing, is this very, very clear Line that in a way might be simplistic, but not simple. It's very simplistic because it's very clear. It's very obviously that he's, he's trying to get rid of all the noise, noise outside, and make and make sure you have the right line. Now, obviously, obviously, there's never ending for that. You can always, always, always find find somebody else. You'll find somebody another commenter. There's always more information. It, it, always but, but that's what it is I mean it, the human, human ability to write and to talk and to explain and to whatever the, the, whatever you want to call it is is unlimited it's infinite when I I learned I'm teaching now several times in, in doing the week and every time you teach somebody that depends on the background nationality the language you speak the ability of comprehending a text even though if you read text was traditionally, is very clear it's a hard work people have a different way to reading it that's the reason his biggest challenge was to find the right way to make one line uh, be accessible available and people can relate to
1: as you mentioned a moment ago let my people know is the slogan or motto for the steinsalt center tell us more about the overall work of the steinsalt center
0: sure um Steinle Center is is our basically our doing business as we have few nonprofits and few profit for profit organization. And they have to come up in one organization because otherwise, as you can imagine, it's never ending. So we have one name that is the Steinle Center. We're located in Jerusalem, about a block away from the prime minister and two blocks away from my house. But I'm not talking <laughs> about that. And about 25 minutes from the old city. Uh, it's just you know it's one it's an office suit. basically what we do from here we we do two major things one is we we continue our my father legacy we we never we never under we underestimated really um, the amount of materials my father left you know we estimate and this is just the beginning stage of this estimate we about 80 books yet to come wow. And this is not including anthologies and, and uh, secondary commentary on things he already wrote, but just literally 80, maybe more books we can compile together from his writing, from his work that we can, um, that people can really benefit from it in, in any way, shape, or form. And, and um, that's the main, main job of, of what we do. We, th- so that's one thing. To Basically, to map everything we have, to start producing it, start bringing it up to the people. The second part we do, we work very hard on, is our app. We are working out tremendously in the last, um, last couple of years to bring all my father's works to an online digital platform. It will be available, accessible to everybody again worldwide. We will, of course, have it custom-made. So if you want a white label for your university, or for your synagogue, for your church, that you have all the materials you need. We can provide only what you need. If you teach only the 20 chapters of numbers, so to speak, so you have a, you have an app that will only concentrate on those 20 chapters and you can go back and forth. You can learn them. You can read them and so on and so forth. So that is the two major things we do. Under that, we have a whole plethora of things from uh, educational uh, systems to curriculum building to to inter- interfaith dialogue, you name it. We do it all, but we try to keep it in a very clear path. What we do is not, in a sense, religious work. Our main interest in, in the goal that my father, peace um, defined is knowledge. What do you do with it, how you take it, and how you move it forward, that's all up to you. We're not stopping you, God forbid. You <laughs> whatever you want with it, but really, we give you the keys. And what kind of, a, you know, keys or the spoon, whatever it depends on the allegory that you like. And whatever you like, we will provide it. We'll give you the information and do whatever you want. Our biggest deal is, in a sense, is that we never, we try, not you know, never is too much. Never say never again, right? Is we try constantly to, um, to basically give you the the tools. We're not trying, literally, we're not trying to solve all your problems. We're not trying to solve, give you all the answers. We actually want you to, to do the work by yourself, to, to feel comfortable with the text and to become your text, not only mine, become something that you can learn from it. So in a sense, I'm giving you the spoon and the bowl of soup. I'm not willing to do this action for you. The action of eating the soup, that's up to you. You know, the famous line, of, if we can bring Muhammad to the mountain, but we can't make him, you know, and do, can bring, bring, the horse, bring the horse to the water. But I can't even bring the water to the horse. But if he's not going to put his head down and drink, I can't do anything about it. So our goal is to provide, you know, provide the best material. And that, by the way, that's the reason we, for example, choose a publisher, Quran publishing, is because the way they produce material, way it's talked, the visuality, the comfortability, the, the ability of them to expand and to, to reach everybody, it's outstanding. And therefore, we know we're very happy that we choose them specifically in order to provide a more of a, a pleasant experience for
1: it. Corin does indeed do a terrific job with their publications. We're looking at the Edits Concise series today, published under Koren's Magid label, along with the Steinsalt Center. These are beautifully published hardbacks, color-coded by volume, really pleasing for those who love books. Now there are four volumes in this Steinsaltz series: The Concise Guide to Torah, to the Sages, to Mashavah, and to Halakha. Tell us about this collection.
0: So the goal is we you know, if you look around in your library, library, you look in my library, there's too many books. There are too many books to learn. Even if I won't learn the entire Talmud, Again, you can do it about seven years. Or if you learn the entire corpus of Jewish law, three years. If if you (laughs) you want to contemplate Jewish, um, it's never ending. There's too much information. One of the thing we try to do over here, again, is the same notion. We're trying to bring people the first spoon. I'm afraid if I give you a spoon, it's too big, or the soup is too large, or too hot, you're not going to take the step forward. So we, we took, actually, my father is the one who chose what would be in. It. What was the right thing to put as the premises of what a person needs to learn? Obviously, it's not everything. Obviously, there can be hundreds of, of a different variations of this. But this is what he chose to do. So we choose this for, first of all, in the Torah. Torah is, in our way, in our perception, Torah is when God speaks to men. right? That is the first notion. God speaks to man. And the way we choose the translation, the commentary we use here, obviously based on what he did and, and wrote, but it's not elaborate. It's very light. The, the reading, the, it's very fluid. That's the main purpose of it. You can read it. If you want to go sleep with it, then I know it's, it's a big thing. I'm mean, afraid you're not going to fall you know, when you sleep. It's Very comfortable, read. and that was the goal. Of it. The goal is to make people acquainted with the text, something that we can say, Not that's interesting, I never read it this way. That we the commentator is almost not felt that these a commentary is almost clear, it's almost a sinful commentary, light, comfortable. And that was the Torah because again, it's a basic book, we can't get more based on that. The second book, the book of the sages. Refer to the major Jewish work from second century BC to to uh, to uh, to about seventh century, 7th, 8th century, and the, the idea over there is to begin to take this massive collection of books and compile them again together to a much short version, so people can read them based on on a life cycle, yearly cycle, and ideas that we think are extremely important to remember, and to keep repeating in the Jewish canon, and repeating themselves also in the Jewish um, life cycle. So, you know, you have, uh, i give example, keeping the Sabbath is mentioned in the Torah, but also mentioned in the sages in a variety of times and places. That's the second book. The third book took the the the, 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 machshava, the thought, so to speak, deal with the Jewish traditions and texts, from 15th century on, which are basically the Musa movement, which was uh, basically self-reflection, almost like the the Puritan church writings of the, again, I know it's not the same century, but 15th, 16th century was very popular of self-reflection and and atonement and and good and bad. That is one way of thought. Then is the Hasidic masterpiece, which is all about the Hasidic masters who, who came in the 17th century, who brought a new illumination to Judaism based on the individual ability to reach God on an individual level without the necessity of reading everything, knowing everything and being as devout as the most holy of people. Um, so, so that was the, the, and the third part is some, some glimpses on Jewish mysticism, the way it's depicted in the, in the Kabbalah and the Zohar. Again, it's just a glimpse. It's not again, it's not gonna make you crazy. It's just to make it some show you you know the way to thinking, the way the word the way it works. That is the third book. The fourth book is dealing with Jewish law. The normally the corpus of Jewish law is tremendous. It's like any other like any other law offices. You know, if you go into any of the major law offices worldwide, you will realize that you know that they are so tremendous, they're so big. They're so it's too much information. The problem with the Jewish, Jewish law is also supposed to be very practical because you're supposed to conduct your life with this law. So we took all the Jewish law that we can get our hands on and we assemble a group, of, a team of, of rabbinical councils that can actually compile all of it to one book. And it actually is the largest book in this collection because, again, it's a lot of information, very practical And teaches you almost everything you need to do about Jewish life from the moment you are born to the moment you move on. You know, it's all there. And the big deal is we try to keep the line, ask your local rabbi to a minimum. Again, we do, sometimes we don't have a choice, but the idea that if somebody reads any of these books, you will get a more than a sensible sense on what it is. What is Judaism about? And we hope that the people who read this book will take the next step forward and buy more books and all be interested more. And I'll repeat it. Our agenda is not to make people more religious or less religious, independent regardless of what religion is. Just give them open, give them the keys, spoons in a lot of ways to move forward, to open their eyes to the vast, vast knowledge of Judaism.
1: Now, I saw that there is actually a fifth volume already published separately, and that goes well with this series. It's on the Talmud, right? So the, the, the fifth
0: book, is actually, it's a reprint. It's a reissue of an old book we have called The Reference Guide of the Talmud, which really does the same thing for the Talmud itself. As it was our main book, and main, main, uh, main enterprise, we added to it. But it's really just a re- remake of it. It will look exactly the same, part of the same series, but because we thought it was the same topic, so we should combine them as a package, as a, something that you know people can see that there's a progress. But it's it's the same idea. It is something and give you the premises of what is the Talmud. Over there, it's a bit more detailed. So why it was created, how it was created, what's the basic language, what's the basic commentary, what's the what is the regular flow of the text, and so on and so
1: forth. Rabbi Meni, I'm so grateful that you spent this time with us. My
0: pleasure. My pleasure.
1: You had mentioned publishing maybe 80 more books in the future. Can you remind us what publications are on the immediate horizon?
0: Right. So, so immediately, immediately on the horizon I said, is, the, is, the, is the new volume of the Tanya, as I mentioned, the first principal book of Lubavitch, of Chabad, will be available hopefully in the next two months. Um, that's, again, it's in English. It's a, it's a commentary in the two volumes. The one deal with the, the spiritual essence of the world, why every action is important, why we think that there's a divine providence, that God basically takes care of everything we do. Sorry, that today we don't need it. Today we have Google for that. Obviously, if you're missing, you know, Google watching everything do, right? Big brother. So God is the biggest brother of them all. But again, the book is talking about that. Again, it's very spiritual based on Jewish mysticism. And so that's going to come up hopefully two and a half months, uh, be available on the market. And as I mentioned, big, big deal. Is our app the 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 Steinzel's daily study is uh, I think is a must have of course in every household as uh, you know something to learn every day something to see something to be peculiar come with the pictures the colors the everything you want you have uh, not bit of a gamification and you know that's the that's the beautiful next um, next six months then we have a whole bunch. of
1: Friends, you've been listening to New Books in Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. Until next time, goodbye.